Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Haro, and we are keeping score. Soccer over in America with higher franchise values than ever before. American football halfway over in America. College basketball beginning and a whole host of other positive metrics relative to TV, advertising, and numbers. So let's deal with deal-making three to one. First, number three. We're heading to the Super Bowl and Super Bowl 54. Ad sales continue to be higher than ever, at least the pricing is concerned. Well over $5 million per 30-second spots. Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, the streaming wars companies will be big players. Geico, Progressive, State Farm, also big players. Fox said they're going to cut one financial commercial break from each Super Bowl quarter in an attempt to combat criticism about how there are too many breaks, but it also makes the Super Bowl ad inventory scarce and also more expensive. That's number three. Number two, kudos to the MLS. The Seattle Sounders, obviously a big deal. They win their championship, but one year, year over gro- a year growth in the uh, uh, MLS, the franchise values are up 30% from about $240 million to three thirteen, million, according to Forbes. It's a 13% increase in the NBA, 11% increase in the NFL, 8% in baseball, 6% in hockey, and 30% here. LA Galaxy, LAFC, Sounders, Toronto FC, all big winners. And despite the increase in team values, though, Forbes estimates that just seven of the league's top 24 teams turned a profit last season. Toronto FC recording the biggest loss, $19 million. But it hadn't stemmed the tide from investors looking to own an MLS franchise, even though expansion fees have soared to about $200 million. Keep it up, obviously. That's number two. Number one, a big deal confirming what we all know. Total advertising on connected TV devices and platforms will grow about 37.6% this year to hit $6.94 billion forecast e-marketer and surpassed $10 billion by 2021. When looking at ad revenues, YouTube, Hulu, Roku are leaders in the market. An e-marketer lead analyst, Eric Hagstrom, shared with Synopsys that users of these platforms likely either cord cutters or cord shavers. That means some TV ad buyers willing to pay a premium to reach users who are difficult to reach via traditional TV ads. The platforms are also bulking up their targeting programmatic and attribution capabilities in order to attract buyers from the digital world. These numbers comprise all programming, including sports. Major recent deals that pro sports leagues have gone through with the likes of Amazon and YouTube prove they understand where the current consuming world is going and already heading in that direction. So content obviously becomes different. That's number one. Content is a big deal front and center because it's no longer an ROI-inspired activity, but it's doing right, doing great by doing good. Enter Everfi, a company that's been involved and thrust on the social scene and commercial scene, been a D.C.-based company, and for 12 years, they started with education and financial education, gamified learning environments now, but now community-based financial education, K-12, through including areas like 
opioid addiction, sexual assault, alcohol prevention, bullying prevention, uh, character advice, STEM wellness, a whole host of things, MLB, NHL, NFL, official relationships, 30,000 schools, the EA sports of academic learning, some would say, 4,000 partners, youth engagement, 300 major events per year. So obviously more capable of looking at those numbers we talked about earlier and doing something with them. We caught up to co-founder John Chapman at a major EverFi event they held in early October that talked about philanthropy and so much more. Here's John Chapman. Ricardo at EverFi International Headquarters with one of the co-founders of EverFi, John Chapman. Thank you for allowing us to run roughshod into and over your house. Ah, oh, it's uh, <laughs> great to have you all here. Happy Thanks very much. You know, this has become very significant as philanthropy broadly has increased about 12% a year to the way you can measure it. Yep. And your company basically tells people in corporate America how to spend money to maximize the greater good and also benefits sports yep. and benefits kids and schools in the process. Talk about that. Yeah, I think at EverFi, we're really trying to uh, equip the private sector to be a bigger, broader part of their community beyond just sort of shareholder value. I think there's a bigger demand here in 2019 uh, that corporations give back. And obviously, sports leagues are important corporations. And so we give them an operating system by which they can bring content into the classroom, create really highly engaging schools programs, um, and you know run that on their behalf um, so that they're really supporting their efforts to be good corporate citizens. And sports leagues, in many ways, have a really a big leg up because they create a unique vantage point by which to view that content, and uh, that's an exciting opportunity for us to work with them. We'll take a step back, though, because really your original mandate was financial literacy through technology. Correct. And then sports was an offshoot of that. Yep. But the original founding premise, talk about that. Absolutely. The founding premise was to build a learning platform yeah. that could meet kids where they were operating. Today, Generation Z are true digital natives. Uh, they don't know anything else other than how to operate in the digital medium. So we wanted to use technology as a way to teach financial education in a more engaging way. Uh, it obviously wasn't a new topic that had been uh, focused on for many years, but we thought technology could give it a new look. Uh, we also thought that it could be a real scaling agent to reach more students in a classroom across a school district um, at once, um, so that really you were equipped with these uh, this information so you could make better and more sound financial decisions. Well, and, and clearly in that context, the student becomes more generally aware of how to do things that will make him a better adult, her a better adult. Yep. But also you do other things with students. I know it's not just financial literacy, it's correct. anti-bullying. Talk about a lot of those programs. Yeah, you know, one of the biggest areas for us in the last uh, couple of years within the K-12 space has been social-emotional learning. Yeah. Uh, we really have content that goes throughout the K-12 spectrum, starting with a program called the Compassion Project, which is teaching mindfulness amongst elementary school students going up into a, one of our sports-based programs called Character Playbook right. that we run with the NFL and the United Way Worldwide, and then going all the way into some anti-bullying programs. We have a program called Actions Matter uh, that we work on with Major League Soccer. Um, so those content areas outside of financial education, I'd say, are, are in highest demands. The other areas really are, are probably a couple, one around health and wellness. So we've developed a program called Pers uh, the Prescription Drug Safety Network. Yeah. So obviously the opioid epidemic has ravaged the country. This helps those students at a young age make the right decision and not the wrong decision and how to be safe and responsible with prescription drugs. And then lastly, I would say uh, career preparation. So understanding the careers of the future and really that's a big program. Uh, that's obviously a huge centerpiece of our program with the National Hockey League and the National Hockey League Players Association, Future Goals, where we're teaching them about 
uh, STEM-based careers through the game of hockey. These are all stellar examples and unique examples that EverFi has kind of brought to the marketing table. Yep. But it speaks a lot about the power of sports in the sense that a lot of these things could happen, but nowhere near with the visibility yeah. and the awareness if sports wasn't part of that deal. Don't, don't you agree? Absolutely. It gives a, it gives us a very unique platform. Uh, oftentimes, I'll go visit schools and I'll talk to educators, and they'll consistently say, you know, this presenting this topic um, in a way, you know, through the lens of sports just creates a whole new engaging way to teach students. Um, and really, that's a, a, a big assist to teachers. I'll never forget going into a classroom where we saw a, uh, a student who was working on our, our hockey scholar program, uh, with, which is the curriculum around future goals. And he was learning about angles, shooting the puck off the board. Um, and using a virtual protractor to measure those angles. What's a protractor? Uh, <laughs> and, and the teacher said, you know, I have the hardest time teaching kids how to use an actual yeah. physical protractor uh, that I get from my classroom supplies. But when you put the lens of a hockey arena and shooting the puck off the board and using a virtual protractor, that concept sunk in more effectively. That's a great example. You have 100 other ones. But the other piece of this I think that's important for all of us is your ability to use philanthropy, sports, and your ingenuity to level the playing field. You've yeah. got a lot of kids yeah. who might not otherwise get the benefits of the kind of education yeah. we're talking about, yeah. but for this alignment. Absolutely. So at our baseline, when we started EverFi, our school's network um, was almost entirely comprised of uh, you know individuals from uh, low to moderate income, yeah. under-resourced communities. So kids who really needed this assist and this lift up. Um, so that's always been the fabric of our school's network from the very founding of the company. Um, sport allows us to then meet those students, not only through a digital medium, but through sports heroes that they admire and look up to. And again, they're getting these resources from those audiences, from those athletes and those leagues and clubs that they, they, um, they, they as I said, they look up to, and it's a really powerful combination. Both Rumor and press release have it that you're going global. What's the deal? We are indeed. It's actually uh, super exciting. We announced today publicly that um, we have acquired our first organization, uh, acquired a company uh, based out of London called Edcoms, uh, giving us a global platform now. We now have an office in London. Um, and what's fun about um, Edcoms as it relates to the world of sports is we met them uh, through joint work we were both doing with the Premier League. Uh, they had worked on a school program with the Premier League called Primary Stars in the UK. We had built a version of that here in the US, um, and now we've joined forces to do it all over the world. Now, what it really means, I think, is, and you tell me, that the alignment of the tasks that you all are able to do mm -hmm. transcend uh, the oceans. The kinds of things yep. that you need to be able to do to generate corporate support, to go yep. to the schools, yep. it doesn't really matter whether you're doing it in the United States or yeah. anywhere else. That was actually, it's a great point. It's one of the more, um, uh, you know, sort of validating pieces we, we discovered when we worked on uh, the, the deal to acquire Edcoms was there really was that appetite for corporate engagement in the classroom, for sports organizations, leagues, clubs, engagement in the classroom. So certainly, certainly something that transcends borders and is not just some, something here in the U.S. And we're excited to, uh, to prove that out over the next few years. Where is EverFi and John Chapman five years from now? Well, certainly, as we just talked about, um, we're going to have much more of a global footprint than we have today. Uh, we operate, obviously, mostly in North America. Um, I think it's going to allow us to bring all of our programs, you know, programs we work on in the K-12 classroom, programs we work on at the university level, programs we work, at the, work on in the workplace. We'll be able to take that globally 
to to many more uh, markets, uh, many more con- content areas that um, you know again is what we talked about, give an assist to young children and allow companies to really have truly the operating system they need to engage their communities. Well, all we know is philanthropy across the globe now is in pretty darn good hands. John Chapman, thank you. Obviously, as you look at the deals of social and philanthropy in the future, they're wrapped into business, and that's where EverFi comes in. Let's talk about tech, the top minute for the week. The New York Knicks and New Jersey Devils broadcasts will soon feature FanDuel betting. FanDuel will become an official sports gaming partner for broadcasts, as well as the Knicks and the Devils other interests as well. The Rangers hockey telecast will include FanDuel commercials, but not betting-related content. Devils telecast updated betting odds, including a scrolling sidebar during each intermission. The partnership will also include a mix of in-game and halftime sports, branding content, and the like, an existing trend that continues. But then we're getting ready for the holidays. Spalding hosts holiday shopping events on social media. Mobile Marketer says that Spalding will host a two-hour shopping event to give fans a chance to buy limited edition gear. Act quickly. Damian Lillard, Damar Rosen, and others, Kobe Bryant, the NBA global travel brand Sprayground, and other possible content. And by following the model of well-known exclusivity, similar to an online sneaker drop, it's likely the Spalding merchandise will sell out quickly and may influence future marketing tactics in other sports. And that's your Sports Tech Minute. Finally, Power Sports Philanthropy Minute, focusing pretty exclusively on Boston, We're not close to the Boston Marathon, but we can see it after the snow. $100 million in donations for cancer over its 20 years. Tucson.com, the Boston Marathon, says, after looking at that in that article, participating on behalf of the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute since 1990, runners have surpassed the $100 million fundraising mark. The research center says more than 500000 has already been raised by runners in next year's race, putting it over the threshold. Dana-Farber was one of the first charities allowed to use the Boston Marathon as a fundraiser, and more than 500 runners are expected to take part in the 2020 race as part of the Dana-Farber Marathon Challenge, hoping to raise six point million, and 100% of the money raised from the team's Boston Marathon runners supports promising cancer research in its earliest stages. The Boston Marathon is the pinnacle of marathon and media coverage, and the race will make positive headlines as multiple charities will be highlighted on the day of the event next year, April 20, 2020. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. We'd like to thank everybody for putting it together and John Chapman for lending his perspective that cuts across philanthropy into business. Join us next week when we go beyond everything that's going on in current sports. And thank you once again for joining me and keeping score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Reuters Digital. I'm Ricardo. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.